Are you ready for the five rapid fire questions? Number one, what are your pet peeves? Number two, what type of learner are you? Number three, introvert or extrovert? Number four, what's your communication or media preference for personal conversations? And number five, is there a podcast, a blog, or an email newsletter that you find yourself recommending lately? Let's do this. Let's talk about talk. Greetings and welcome to Talk About Talk, episode number 110, where we're focusing on questions. We're going to talk about the five rapid fire questions that I ask every guest expert whom I interview. This is going to be a fun episode where you can think about what your answer would be and also learn a little bit at the same time. I'm also going to invite you to ask me a question that I can answer in a future Talk About Talk episode. More on that in a minute. So I'm going to ask you the five rapid fire questions that I ask every one of our Talk About Talk guests. I want you to challenge yourself to think about what your answer would be if you were speaking into a microphone and someone asked you these five questions. Then I'm going to go through them one by one. And I'm going to share with you why I asked this question, what my answer would be, what I've learned about asking this question, and of course, some of my favorite answers that I've heard from the many, many Talk About Talk guests. Are you ready? Let me start by briefly introducing myself. I'm your executive communications coach, Dr. Andrea Wojnicki. Please call me Andrea. I'm so glad you're here. If you're an ambitious executive with a growth mindset, then you're in the right place. You've probably spent years learning the technical skills, and now it's time to up your game by focusing on your communication. And that's exactly what we do here at Talk About Talk. If you go to the talkabouttalk.com website, you'll find all sorts of communication skills resources, including online courses, corporate workshops, one-on-one coaching, the weekly communication coaching newsletter, and the archive of this bi-weekly podcast. Today, we're focusing on questions, and we're going to look back at that podcast archive, focusing on the five rapid-fire questions that I ask our guests. The first Talk About Talk podcast episode was released in January 2019. That's over three years ago. Back then, most of the Talk About Talk episodes featured me interviewing a guest. Not all of them, but most of them. More recently, that switched. Most of the episodes now are host on mic. That's podcast talk for one voice. Recently, some episodes have taken on a different format altogether. Yeah, I guess you could say I'm getting creative. Like recently in episodes 102 and 106, when you heard a live Q&A of me answering communication questions from audiences of several hundred people. And I'm going to leave links for those episodes in the show notes so you can find them easily. These episodes are really popular, so I got thinking. I should ask you, yes, I'm talking to you, and ask, what questions do you have for me? If you could sit down and ask me anything, what would you ask? It could be something about your own communication, or maybe about how to manage your personal brand. Or maybe it's something to do with this podcast, how I create this podcast, or how I run my business. Please, I would love to hear your questions, and I hope to share your question and my answer in a future Talk About Talk episode. 
I hope you'll leave me a recording of your question, or you can use the contact form. However you send the question, I can't wait to hear it. Please bring it on, and you might even hear your voice in a future episode. But now, let's get into the five rapid-fire questions. Whatever you're doing right now, I want you to pretend for a minute that you're my podcast guest. I'm interviewing you. We could be seated across the table from each other, or perhaps we're on Zoom. You're the Talk About Talk guest, and I'm asking you these five rapid-fire questions. You have a microphone in front of you, and your answers are being recorded. Are you ready? Number one, what are your pet peeves? Number two, what type of learner are you? Visual, auditory, kinesthetic, or some other type of learner? Number three, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Number four, what's your communication or media preference for personal conversations? And number five, is there a podcast, a blog, or an email newsletter that you find yourself recommending lately? How was that? Did you have definitive answers? Are you curious what others would say? Are you wondering why I would ask such questions? Well, now we're going to get into all that. I'm going to tell you what my answer is. I'm going to tell you why I ask each of these questions. And you're also going to learn what I've learned. And you're going to hear some really interesting answers that I've heard from our guests. So the first question, what are your pet peeves? Off the top of my head, I have two pet peeves. The first one is clutter. I cannot focus when a space is cluttered. I need my workspace and my play space to be clear. Clutter stresses me out. And I know I'm not the only one out there who's like this. Okay, my other pet peeve is very specific. It's on the road, when I'm driving. And people that do U-turns in the middle of the street, not in intersections, not pulling into a driveway, they just randomly do a U-turn and usually it's blocking traffic in both directions. It's selfish, it's unsafe, it's rude, and it's a huge pet peeve of mine. Speaking of traffic, I have to say that when I ask this question of Talk About Talk guests, pet peeves that are associated with traffic and driving come up a lot. Like slow drivers in the fast lane, or people that don't use their indicator signals, that sort of thing. It seems like a lot of people have pet peeves when it comes to driving. And why exactly do I ask this question about pet peeves? Of the five rapid-fire questions, you may have noticed that this is the question that is the least related to communication skills. In fact, it's not really related to communication skills at all. The reason I ask it is just to get people talking, sharing their potentially quirky insights or ideas right out of the gates, just to get the ball rolling. And I get the impression that people like answering this question. You could consider using this question as an icebreaker when you're leading a meeting. It definitely gets people talking. Okay, that's pet peeves. Let's jump into question number two, which is much more related to communication. The question is, what type of learner are you? Are you visual, auditory, kinesthetic, or some other type of learner? And how does that affect your communication? It may surprise you, particularly given that I'm a podcaster, that I am primarily a visual learner. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I also listen to a lot of books. And I'm definitely capable of internalizing and learning information when I hear it. 
But to be honest, the most dense books that I listen to, the ones that I find really compelling, I end up buying them and reading them as well. I sometimes fold the pages where I might want to review something, and sometimes I write in the margins. I'm visual. I remember back when I was in high school and university taking notes in class. I was one of those students who had different colored pens and highlighters, and looking at the colors on the page really helped me internalize the information. I'm also an artist. I paint. So I'm definitely a visual learner. Knowing that, sometimes when I'm thinking about a concept, for example, if I'm working on developing an idea, I like to draw it out visually. So I did a little research on this topic of modes of learning or ways that we learn. And in terms of the academic research on modes of learning, there is certainly no conclusion about which mode is best or even whether we should be thinking about modes of learning as varying across people. Perhaps it's more about optimizing within each mode. But that said, I know that there are people out there that learn best from one mode, like reading or listening and so on. And frankly, I think it can be a very powerful personal insight to understand how you best learn, how to study. When you have a very limited amount of time to internalize something, how do you make it stick? Do you read it? Do you write it? Do you draw it? Do you watch it? Do you listen to it? Or do you do it? When my coaching clients are trying to adopt a new communication habit, I encourage them to go multimedia. This is an interesting insight. Say you're trying to memorize or internalize a mantra, a sentence to help you focus on something. I suggest going multimedia. Write down what you want to memorize. Write it down several times, like writing lines. Then read it. So post a copy on your bulletin board or put a post-it note on your laptop. Then say it. Say it out loud. Then write it. Then read it. Then think it. Then say it. Then hear it. Go multimedia. The research is quite conclusive that when you use multiple senses or multiple media sources, you're more likely to internalize the information. Not really surprising, right? If you've been listening to Talk About Talk for a while, you may have noticed that when I ask podcast guests what type of learner they are, the most common answer is probably visual. People love their YouTube videos, don't they? But one of my favorite answers that I've heard recently is slightly different. I asked, what type of learner are you? And what I heard was learning by teaching. They say that the ultimate level of learning is through teaching. Have you heard that? I did a bit of reading on this. And of course, learning by teaching has existed forever. Way back when, it was a necessity. Children learned things, and then they taught the younger children. It wasn't until the 1980s, so 40 years ago, that learning by teaching was systematically researched. A language professor named Jean-Paul Martin taught French as a foreign language through learning by teaching, or as he called it, LDL, as in learning, Dutch, lehren. Got that? LDL. So it was only 40 years ago that learning by teaching was validated as a viable educational or learning theory. I bet you didn't know that, did you? Me neither, but interesting. Before we go on to rapid fire question number three, I want to just pause and encourage you to think about how you learn best. If you had to choose one, 
Would you read or listen or write or draw or teach? Or maybe it's a combination of these. I encourage you to go multimedia when you can. Okay, rapid fire question number three. Introvert or extrovert? I am definitely 100% extrovert. Okay, not 100%, maybe 90%. It is a continuum. And that's something you need to know. I ask the question like this, introvert or extrovert, as a binary question, simply to be provocative. But I know I'm an extrovert because I get energized when I'm around people. I notice this when I attend evening meetings in particular. Say I'm at a conference or maybe I have a board meeting. Afterwards, maybe at 9 or 10 o'clock at night, when I'm trying to wind down, I can't. Social interaction fuels me up. Even when I'm working alone, say when I'm preparing a podcast or writing a paper, I'm always imagining the listener or the reader in my head. I seek social interaction even when it doesn't exist. Yes, I even enjoy cocktail party small talk. I know. This is an important and fascinating question of whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. At least I think it is. In fact, I dedicated a whole episode to it. It's episode number 82, and I'll leave a link to that episode in the show notes. There are a few important things that I really want you to know about the introvert and extrovert scale. So let me just briefly cover a few of those things now. As I said, there's lots more in episode number 82. Okay, the most important thing I hope you know is that introversion is not a bad thing. It's not that we should all be seeking extroversion. In fact, I would say that being an introvert is an underrated personality trait. There are many, many smart and successful introverts out there. Introverts are often deep thinkers, and they are the best listeners. If you think you might be an introvert, or if you live with one, like I do, I encourage you to read a book by Susan Cain called Quiet. And I'll leave a link to that book in the show notes. So that's the first thing I really want you to know. Introversion is not a bad thing. In fact, it's a good thing. Secondly, if you've listened to several Talk About Talk episodes, you may have noticed that many, perhaps even most, of the podcast guests, when I ask them, introvert or extrovert, they often say something like, I'm a high-functioning introvert, or I was an introvert and I've learned to become an extrovert. I think I know what those people are saying. I think. They probably lacked confidence or felt really shy when they were in front of people, particularly when they were on stage, and particularly earlier in their career, and then they learned to get over that. So this is the second insight about this introvert-extrovert question. Introversion is different from shyness. Susan Cain also covers this in her book, Quiet. The introvert-extrovert scale measures where and how you are stimulated and where you get your energy. Shyness is really a fear of social judgment and humiliation. Believe it or not, there are shy extroverts and there are confident introverts, many of them. I encourage you to think about these dimensions more specifically. A lot of people who answer this introvert-extrovert question also say that they are somewhere in the middle. And the truth is that most of us are in the middle of this continuum. And there's a word for that. It's ambivert. Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung invented the terms introversion and extroversion in the late 1920s, so a hundred years ago. Then a few years later, in 1927, 
an American social scientist named Kimball Young created the term ambivert. And the truth is, that's where most of us sit on this continuum. We seek both solitude and social interaction. Of course. There's another related term, omnivert. So while an ambivert sits in the middle of the continuum, an omnivert flips back and forth between the extremes. This is someone who can be the life of the party one day, but then quietly listen and learn the next. And there's no in-between. So you got that? There's introvert, there's extrovert, there's ambivert, and there's omnivert. And I have to say, my favorite answer to the question, introvert or extrovert, was way back when I interviewed my favorite professor, Harvard professor Jerry Zaltman. When I asked Jerry this question, his answer, one syllable. Vert? Can I just be a vert? I did not know what to say to that. (laughs) Now, when I think about that, I respect his rejection of being slot into a certain category. On the other hand, I do have some advice for you, and it's this. If you know that you tend to be on the extreme, in particular, an extreme introvert or an extreme extrovert, use that insight to schedule your day, both professionally and personally. Think about what fuels you up and think about what situations deplete you, specifically looking at solitude and social interactions. Then you'll know if you're going to be fired up or depleted of energy. Okay, now we've covered question number one about pet peeves, question number two, what type of learner are you, and question number three, introvert or extrovert. Here's rapid fire question number four. What is your communication or media preference for personal conversations? So we're not talking here about emails where you need to copy your boss or whatever, but when you need to ask your bestie something, maybe someone in your family, Do you phone, email, text, social media, Facebook Messenger, Snapchat, Instagram, and why? There are some interesting trends here. The answer to this question varies by geography, by context, and by generation. For example, if you're communicating domestically with someone, you might text. Internationally, suddenly it's WhatsApp. Or if you're in Asia, it's WeChat. Have you noticed that? In terms of context... People use email or platforms like Slack for professional purposes, messaging for personal. One of the podcast guests who I interviewed answered this question talking about how when a work team really gets going on a project, they will shift from email to texting. And I've noticed that too. Fascinating. So there's geography, there's context, there's also age. In terms of age, the older cohorts are more likely to say in person or on the phone. And yes, Facebook. And the younger cohorts are more likely online using social media or texting. And as my teenage son just said to me last week, no one ever uses email. No one. Ever. Hmm. All right. Everyone seems to agree, and rightly so, that the more thorough the conversation is in terms of seeing and hearing a person, the less room there is for miscommunication. And I have to tell you, even as a communication coach, I see examples of this in my own life, personally and professionally. This is absolutely true. But sometimes when I'm a bit lazy or I'm rushed, 
I'm reminded that picking up the phone or scheduling a Zoom call is infinitely more effective than email or texting. Just recently, I was working on a project with someone and we were crunched for time. And I was reminded that you can't perceive tone of voice in an email. Oof. Thankfully, we cleared things up and all is well now. So my advice for you here is to consider the geography, the situational context, and the generation of the people you're communicating with. Of course. Okay, on to the last question. Rapid fire question number five. Is there a podcast or a blog or an email newsletter that you recommend? By the way, if you scroll down to the show notes for this or any Talk About Talk episode, I always include links to our guests' favorite podcasts. I read somewhere recently that most people discover new podcasts from word-of-mouth referrals, as opposed to using the search function. And yes, of course, I hope you recommend this Talk About Talk podcast to all your friends. Please do. A few years ago, when I asked this question, several guests recommended the Tim Ferriss podcast. I used to listen to that podcast all the time. And from the very beginning, lots of people also recommended Brene Brown's podcast and her books. She's still getting a lot of traction. Recently, though, a lot of people have been recommending the podcast called Smartless. And I've listened to a few of those, especially when they interview a guest that I admire. Over a year ago, two of my podcast guests back-to-back recommended the same podcast. This was when I was interviewing culture expert Hilton Barber and then social media expert Andrew Jenkins. Whenever I hear the same recommendation from a few different people that I respect, I figure I should give it a try, whether it's a book or a podcast or a movie, a TV show, whatever it is. And usually I end up loving it. And this was definitely the case with the podcast they recommended. It's called Pivot with Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway. These days, Pivot is definitely my favorite podcast. If you're into business and technology and politics, try Pivot. Kara and Scott are smart, and I love their playful banter. My only complaint is that Kara says, interesting, way too much. Come on, Kara, you can find a more interesting word than interesting. It's become her filler word, her crutch word. And Scott, he says, and that is a lot. That's his crutch word or his crutch phrase. I wish one of their producers would let them know their crutch words, but I digress. Otherwise, I would say their podcast is absolutely fantastic. And I admitted to someone recently that while I don't participate or advocate celebrity worshiping, if I ever saw Kara Swisher on the street, I would definitely feel compelled to introduce myself I really admire her. If I could invite anyone over for dinner, who would it be? Well, Kara Swisher is definitely on my list of who I'd invite over for dinner. Who would you invite over for dinner? That is another great question, isn't it? Speaking of questions, before I go, I want to remind you that I really, really want to hear your communication skills questions. I'm going to start answering listener questions in this podcast. So now's your chance to ask me anything about communication skills, about this podcast, about whatever you need to know. Just go to talkabouttalk.com and you'll see a button on the homepage and on the podcast page where you can submit your questions. And I can't wait to hear from you. Okay, that's it. Thanks for listening and talk soon. 